We're, we're going to jump right into our, 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 our series. We're in part three of a new series called, uh, I guess it's the third part, so I wouldn't consider it new anymore, right? Um, it called This Way to Freedom. And we're, we're looking at the Exodus story of, of how God, uh, God led Moses to lead his people out of, out of slavery, out of bondage. Yes, dismiss the class. Thank you. If you're not an adult and you're still in here, you have a class to go to, feel free to go. <laughs> um, uh, so we're, we're, we're looking at Moses' story. Last week we, we, started, uh, we, we started looking at some of the tools that God uses to bring us to freedom and to help prepare us to bring others to freedom. Uh, we, we looked at the, the part of the, the story with Moses in the, the burning bush and how God, God, uh, God dealt with Moses in that, that moment. And um, When last we left Moses, he, he, was, he was still at the, this blazing shrubbery, um, having a conversation with God himself. In fact, we, we see a powerful truth here about the relationship between uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I just want to kind of touch on that before we, before we go on. Um, and we kind of touched a little bit in, in worship today. This, this, you know, th there's this common, I think, struggle that we have at times, or we, some, some of us have in times, with this Old Testament and New Testament thing that we have. Um, especially considering um, the Old Testament is a, is a favorite place in, 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 in culture to go to kind of try and throw rocks at, at, at our faith. I don't know if you've noticed that, experienced that. Um, I, I, uh, on my, my Facebook feed, my, my video feed, about every third video that, that they, you know, try and put up for me, my, the algorithm, is usually some form of like apologetic debate, right? Because uh, I, I just, I'm into those. I think they're interesting. And, and a good chunk of the, of the objections to the faith that, that come up are, are usually based in the Old Testament. Something that, that, that someone will bring up in the Old Testament that doesn't seem to align with the God that, that we as Christians purport to be, right? Or, or something that, that seems askew from what we would consider fair or humane as far as behavior goes. Um, it, it's common for those to get up and it, and it can be, it can affect us at times. Um, Even for, for genuine seekers of truth, the Old Testament can appear as depicting a very different God than the one we see in the New Testament. You know, we don't have time to go into all of the reasons and all of the differences and, 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 and that, but I do think that there's something interesting in the story we're looking at that, that can be helpful, a helpful principle, a helpful truth that, that it's important for us to, to remember. While, while it's true that we are no longer under the old covenant, that there is, in fact, an old covenant and a new covenant, that Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, um, ushered in an entirely new way of relating to God. God's mission and his plan is not any different. God's mission in the Old Testament, God's plan in the Old Testament is the same as his mission in the New Testament and his plan in the New Testament. Jesus has always been about the business of setting people free. He has always been about the business of making justice a reality. 
Um, check out this verse in, in Jude. Jude, uh, Jude is a, a little, t- it's like one of the hardest books in the Bible to find because it's like a page. Uh, <laughs> Jude 1.5, um, check out this verse. Uh, this kind of shows this, this continuity. So I, remind, I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. Who does it say rescued? Jesus. So here we have, we have Jesus literally in the Old Testament actively pursuing the freedom of us, right? This is, this is a, an important thing for us to grasp that, that Jesus has, has been committing to setting us free from the jump. The Old Testament is not a different side. God does not have a, a, you know, a, a, a dissociative identity disorder. He wasn't one, you know, this one way in the Old Testament and you know, he got saved and became nice in the New Testament. He has always been about our freedom. And last week, we, we started looking at some of the tools in, that he uses to lead us to freedom. We've already seen the first two. That, uh, last week, we looked at uh, timing, how God uses timing. And we looked at how God uses a fresh revelation of himself, right? The burning bush itself is an is a example to us of, of the fresh revelation of God that we said that, you know, what we need is, is to know him more. And, and the more we know him, the, the more experientially we, we experience his reality, the more we are open to freedom. This week, we're going to continue and look at the, the next two tools in, in this story. Um, And I'll give them to you, and then we'll jump into our text for the day and and kind of tease them out as we go. Uh, And that is invitation. So God uses invitation, and God uses confrontation. I'm sure you're all really excited to talk about that one. We all just love confrontation, don't we? Um, Okay, so let's just jump into our text. So Moses... Moses has had this, you know, is, is in this conversation with God at the, the burning bush. And uh, in chapter 3, verse 16, we'll just jump in. Um, this is God, God speaking. And he says, now go and call all the elders, the elders of Israel. Tell them the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I have been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from the oppression of Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Prezites and Havites, all the ites live. The elders of Israel will accept your message and then, then the elders must go. Then you and the elders must go before the king of Egypt and tell him the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord, our God. Verse 19, but, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless, his mighty hand, unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. 
Then at last they will let you go, and I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you, and they will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. And every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their house. And you will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. Super good, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good good mission to go on. Um, but Moses is, so this is, this is the invitation. This is what God is inviting Moses into. Uh, but he still is not, not really ready to accept the mission. Uh, you know, remember mission impossible is this mission. Should you choose to accept it? Moses is still in the no thanks category looking for chapter four. He says, but Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? And the Lord answers Moses by telling him about three miraculous displays that he's going to perform to, to validate what Moses is saying, right? And, and you know the story. Uh, to try and, and he actually shows Moses two of them, right? So he says, you know, Moses, what's in your hand? It's a staff. He throws it down. You remember, it becomes a snake and it's slithering around. And he says, pick it back up. And he Picks it back up. And I, I like how he tells him to pick it up by the tail, which is, uh, uh, my son loves animal stuff, so I, I watch a lot of these videos. That, I mean, that's not the right way to pick up a snake. You don't pick a snake up by the tail. You've got to grab it up by the neck so it can't just swing around and, and bite you. Um, but he pick, tells him to pick up the snake, and instantly it becomes a staff again. Uh, and, and then he, he has, that's not enough, so Moses, he tells Moses to stick his you know, hand in his cloak and he pulls it out and it's all nasty and disease ridden and white. And he tells him to stick it back in his cloak and he pulls it out and, and it, 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 it's healthy again. Although I did laugh. I noticed when I was reading it, it doesn't say it's completely healthy. It said it's as healthy as, as the rest of him. <laughs> remember, uh, Moses is 80 at this point. So he didn't give him some 20-year-old hand and an 80-year-old body. Apparently, the author wanted to make that clear. It was as healthy as the rest of them. Uh, but then he, he, so he tells the, he shows him these two miracles and then tells him about a third that God is going to perform, which is the, the, he's going to turn uh, water from the Nile into blood. But Moses is still resisting the invitation. Moses uh, pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with my words. I've ne I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak, hear or don't hear, see or don't see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please, uh, just so honest here. Lord, just please send anyone else, anyone but me. I don't, I, this is not my job. Then the Lord became angry with Moses and says, all right, he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way here to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you, talk with him and put the words in his mouth. And I, I will be with both of you as you speak. And I will instruct you both what to do. Aaron will be your smoke, spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs that, that I have shown you. 
It's a fascinating story to me. And, and this shows us, it's, a, it's an interesting example of, of, an invita- of God inviting Moses. How does he extend invitations for us to participate and, and walk in the freedom that he has called us to and ultimately to, to lead others into that same freedom? I think the story gives us some, some really important kind of principles and, and some lessons about, about God's invitations to us. And the first one I, I, I see is, look how far the Lord is willing to go to encourage and equip Moses in his weaknesses. It, just over and over again, Moses keeps throwing up these, these objections, these problems, these hurdles, these things that, that he, he, he are, are, he's going to struggle with or reasons why he, he just can't accept this invitation. And over and over again, God patiently has a conversation with him. He talks with him. He provides for him um, securities. He gives him these miracles and he gives him Moses or gives him Aaron. It's amazing how, um, kind of along that same line, it's amazing how multiple miracles weren't even enough by themselves to overcome um, Moses's insecurities. When it comes down to it, his biggest objection, it seems, is his own, his own ability to communicate. The speech thing was really, was really hanging him up. And even though the power of God was being displayed in supernatural, supernatural ways, that still wasn't enough. He was still kind of paralyzed by, by this insecurity, this personal insecurity. And I think that's, um, I think that's an important lesson for, for, for us. Sometimes we, uh, we, are, we are asking God for some supernatural sign for something and, and, and we're not, we, don't, we don't see that, we don't get that. Uh, but sometimes I think the reason could be is God knows what you need and that's not gonna do it. Because it's not, it's, the, the issue isn't, isn't about believing, it's about, a, it's about a hurt, it's about an insecurity, it's about a wound that needs healed. The other thing I, I think we see in this is that there must be value in conversation to God. God has this, this back and forth conversation with him where he, he lets Moses express his, his objections, his fears, um, his insecurities, his hesitancies, his resistance. He lets Moses, he gives him an opportunity. In fact, he kind of sets him up to do so. You know, this is God. This, this whole conversation didn't, it's not like God needed to have the conversation with Moses, right? Because we know God knows all, can do all, can see all, it, it, he already knew how this conversation was going to play out. He knew all the things that were in Moses' heart. So the purpose of the conversation had to be for Moses' sake. And I think that's important that, that God sees value, that for us to understand that God sees value in us having a conversation with him about the things that he is inviting us into. Sometimes I think, and, and out of, even out of, it can be even out of some genuine motivations, we, we, um, we think we know the right answer, and so we try and give that, uh, even though it's not the real answer, when we're dealing with, with God. 
And then the other thing I, I, I see in this is that it, it's, it's, it's through Moses' expressing these honest fears and revelations that the Lord is able to provide the empowerment and the encouragement that Moses needed to overcome those things and accept the invitation. See, the Lord extends invitations to be set free or to help others get set free to all of us. Every one of us, there are invitations that God is, God is asking us to, to step into in, in our own freedoms, our own freedoms towards uh, our journeys towards freedom and, and in our journey to help others pursue and experience God's freedom. But too often, we never accept the invitation because we've... We've never, we never have the rest of the honest conversation like Moses did. We don't follow Moses' example and get real with God and tell him, the, tell him the what and the why you can't or you don't want to. Because, we, you know, we, we, we know it's God. We love him. It's of, co of course the answer is yes. Well, it's, yes, but it... it Let's be honest, it's not always yes, right? We want the answer to be yes, but that's not what we're really saying, you know? Um, we recognize that there is an invitation to share Jesus with a friend that doesn't know him, or we see there's an invitation to, to be walking in freedom in our lives from fear or worry or an addiction. We, we read about how the Holy Spirit wants to, to guide our lives and to show us how to, how to make decisions that honor him and, and really lead us towards God's best for our life. We, we know that there's an invitation to, to have a prayer life that's, that's vibrant and changes things and, and has an effect on, on our lives and the people around us. But we're not willing to say, but God, I'm scared. Or God, I don't, I don't know enough. Or, or if I'm being really honest, I just don't care enough. Or I've got this problem or I've got this thing that disqualifies me from accepting that invitation. Sometimes we, we, we don't have those conversations. We, we, sometimes we act like receiving the invitation is the same as accepting the invitation. And they're two different things. In fact, Jesus uh, in Matthew 22 tells a, a parable about, about a, a king who um, wants to, is having a wedding and wants to invite, or a banquet and wants to invite a bunch of people. So he sends out invitations and uh, everybody rejects the invitations. You may know this story. And, and so he sends, he, uh, the, you know, his heralds come back and they say, what do you, what do you, what do you want to do? Everyone said, you know, no one's coming. And so he says, well, go out and go to the highways and byways and invite whoever you can in. And so out of them, people come and, and one guy comes, uh, but, but he's not dressed in, in, in wedding clothes. He's just openly, uh, that contextually he's basically, he, he's there, but, he, but he's there in a very kind of disrespectful manner. That's kind of the, the implications there. He, he, he's coming, but he's, he's coming on his own terms. Um, and uh, and, and the, the last uh, verse of the, the parable is this phrase. You've heard it. I'm sure you've heard it before that many are called, but few are chosen. And the difference for us is whether we have accepted the invitation or not. 
See, a lot of us, sometimes in our lives, we get stuck and we, we, treat the, we treat the invitation as if we've accepted it. But like that, like that, that, that banquet, it's, it's going to the banquet, it's not the same thing. Just because you were invited to a wedding doesn't mean you went to the wedding, right? <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes we, we, we get so stuck on the invitation that we forget to go to, to the wedding. We, we, we talk about how, how happy we are that we were invited and we, we, we put it on, the, on, on a wall and we, we, we talk about how, how much joy it brings us and we, we try and you know, use it to, to, to bolster uh, and, and, and strengthen our, our, our kind of our, who we th- see ourselves in God, but the reality is we, we never actually accepted the invitation because we, we never had the conversations. We never, we never dealt with the things that were stopping us from accepting the invitation like Moses did. And so my, my question for you this morning before we go on is just that. Is there an invitation that you need to stop pretending and have an honest conversation with the Lord. Is there something in your life, and maybe it's been sitting there, maybe it's a, a, a new thing, maybe it's something that's been sitting there for a long time that if you're honest, you'd say, yes, I, I know there's an invitation in front of me but if I'm being really honest, I, I'm not accept, I haven't accepted that invitation. I have, I have objections. I have things that have stopped me from pursuing that or, or I don't feel like I'm ready to pursue that, but, I, but I'm not really doing anything about those things. I haven't really taken them to God. I'm not being honest with them. There's no day like the present. We can start those conversations. You can start to be honest. You can start to to negotiate with God. And that sounds weird to negotiate with God. He's God. He's going to do what he wants. I'm not, (laughs) I think you know, I'm I'm not not saying, questioning his sovereignty. But we have case study that we're reading that God seems okay with, on some level, at least negotiating with us about these these, uh, invitations that he extends to us. It's just, it's another example of how, how just gracious our God is because he certainly doesn't need to, to, to do any of that, but he does. Because to him, it's, it's about pursuing the relationship. See, God's not disappointed. He already knows all the stuff, right? He's not disappointed when, we, when we're honest about our, our shortcomings or our weaknesses or our doubts. Because it's when, when we offer those to him that he has an opportunity, that we have an opportunity to work through them. You know, it's just like, it's like any other relationship. It's like, you know, if you're married or you have a friend or, a, you know, a girlfriend or a buddy. If, if, there's, some, if there's an issue that is, that is standing between you guys getting closer, it doesn't change until you're willing to bring it up, Right? This happens, happens in, in, you know, in, in marriage a lot. If you're, if you're getting upset at your spouse for you know, something they're doing, but you're not, willing to, to, you're not willing to tell them that what they're doing is making you upset, it just keeps getting in the way. 
Lord, show us. Show us the invitations that we need to receive from you, that you've extended, God. Holy Spirit, even this morning as we're just sitting here reading your word, would you just um, speak to our hearts? Remind us, for some, some of us, you may need to remind us of an invitation because it's been so long since we, we, it's gotten buried um, in life and, and, and we've just said no so many times we may have forgotten about it. Holy Spirit, would you, would you bring those back to the surface? God, would you give us the, the faith and the courage to be honest with you? Amen. So that's that's how we that's 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 the third tool that that I we see in this this passage. It's one of invitation, and it's 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 an amazing thing that God would invite us into anything, but He does. Um, and in Moses' case, we see finally after all of this, all of this, this discussion and, and, and God really bending over backwards uh, for him, we, we, we see him accept this invitation. And finally he gets, he gets going on the mission and he goes and he gets his family and he talks to his father-in-law that he'd been working with and he, and he, he packs everything up and they, they, they head out for Egypt. So he's, he is on mission now. And, and, Pretty much as soon as he gets going, as soon as he uh, gets on the road, the Lord comes back to him uh, with another conversation. Um, But this time, God comes not with an invitation, but a confrontation. And and we're going to see that that's in, in one of the weirdest, like most disjointed stories in like in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. It's it's a, it's a strange one um, when you first read it. So let's just jump back in the text. Chapter four, starting in verse 24. So Moses has just left. He's not even to Egypt yet. He's on the way to Egypt. Verse 24, on the way to Egypt at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night. The Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. What? Verse 25, but Moses' wife Zephorah took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. And when she said a bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. That's a weird story, right? That's just, it's not just me, that's just... It's weird. The timing's weird. The, there's a lot going on in here that doesn't really make sense. I really had to do kind of some digging to try and wrap my head around what, what, what was going on here. What in the world is happening? You know, if, if I had, after looking at it, if I had to give the story a name, it would be uh, Moses is no good, very bad day. Because Moses, out of the blue, has this day where Moses has two people really mad at him, and it's the two people you least want mad at you, his God and his wife. This, this phrase that she uses, the bizarrest little phrase, uh, Zephora calls him this bridegroom of blood thing. Um, it, it's an insult. 
is what it is. And basically what, what this is saying is she mad, like she big mad at him. Um, one, one commentary said kind of said this phrase, if you were to paraphrase it in modern day English, it, it might be akin to something like husband of horrors or, or mate of misery or, or gore, groom of gore. <laughs> These are, these are what one commentator's like transliterations of, of this bridegroom of blood. Uh, we don't know for sure what exactly she was, why she was so mad about this situation. Um, we, we, it could have, some people think it could have been that she had to do the circumcision herself. Um, it could have, some uh, people thought, Maybe she thought just the practice in general was barbaric, um, which they had other children that were, were circumcised, so that, that may or may not make sense. Some scholars said that the, the, um, the, the, the people group that she's from, um, they, some of them actually had a tradition where circumcision didn't happen until you're older, until you're like 13, and maybe she, she was upset that, that, that they were having to do it the, the, the Hebrew way and not the Midian, the Midian way. Um, it's also just possible, I think, that, uh, you know, once you're really mad at something or some situation, everything else in the situation makes you mad. I, I, that could be what's going on here too. I mean, you got to feel for this uh, Zephora at some level. She's just a Midian shepherd's husband minding her own business. And one day uh, her husband comes home and says, oh, hey, Zephora, um, yeah, you need to pack up. Uh, tomorrow we're all, me, us and the fam, we're going to jump on the camels and we're going to go to Egypt and start a war. That's literally what her life has been the last week or whatever it was <laughs> to this moment. She was, not a, she was not a Hebrew. These were not her people that she was uh, being you know, drafted into service to go rescue. And so there's a real reasonable uh, case you could build that she was just not happy with the, she was not happy with the situation. Um, but in any case, she, she's really, really uh, uh, upset and uh, most commentaries seem to think that uh, Moses was struck with some sort of illness that God was, he was getting more, and he was so weak, he couldn't actually perform the circumcision himself, which is why uh, Zephora had to do it. Um, so it made for a bad day. But the more important question is, why is God mad? Because that's really what is kicking off this, this story. And it's, it's, Simply this, in short, God's covenant with his people at that time was the, the cornerstone of the, 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 um, sig the way you were signified that you were under, um, under God's covenant was through circumcision. That was a, a core of, of the covenant that God had with his people at, at that time. And here we have Moses heading to Egypt to speak for God to be the, 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 the kind of the voice, the poster child for, for Yahweh. And uh, for whatever reason, he had neglected to circumcise his own son. And so we have this, this, this thing where God can't, can't let this stand, right? 
because he's accepted the invitation, he's now faced with new um, expectations. What we can take away from this story is that saying yes to an invitation can and will lead to new confrontations. There are God, we see that over and over again, God disciplines those he loves. To whom much is given, much is required. In the, the New Testament, um, I won't read it, but in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth and, and um, he's kind of rebuking them because they had started, uh, you know, their, their gatherings, they had started being really casual and loosey-goosey with the way they, they did it and they were excluding some of the more, the, the, the less fortunate. They, you know, all, the, all the, the executives that could, you know, knock off of work early and show up when they felt like it were, were coming to the meetings and, and uh, eating all the food and hanging out and, and having a good time and being basically done. And then the, the, the you know, the, the more blue collar guys that had to wait to punch out to get there, there was nothing left for them. <laughs> and, uh, and, and listen to what, what Paul says, God's response to that, that is, uh, let's see here. So anyone who eats of, eats of this bread, drinks of this cup in an unworthy manner, that's what I just described, is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Um, for if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking uh, God's judgment upon yourself. And then he goes on to say, uh, that is why some of you are physically ill and some of you have even died. We serve a God that is not shy about confront, confronting his own. This is a tool that he uses that um, when we accept an invitation, there are things that God now, that, that kind of kick into gear that's like, okay, you're gonna, okay, Moses, you, you've accepted this, that's great, we're gonna, we're going in this way. But now there's, now that you have, there's another checklist. There's, there's some other things that we need to get right. And when we need to, we, we need to get them right, right now. God does that with us too. When we accept an invitation um, to, to, to a freedom in a certain area, or um, we accept an invitation to, to, to be his representative in a certain situation, we should expect that there's going to be some confrontation, that God is going to have to deal with us on some new things because he, wants, he needs to get us prepared and ready and, and uh, uh, in, in the right position to do this new thing. And it's not, and it's, it's not, it can feel like, it can feel like, uh, make us feel like we're, we're doing something wrong. Um, but most of the time, the reality is we've been doing something wrong. God is just now finally getting to the point where he's, he knows we're ready to deal with it. <laughs> right? Moses, Mo Moses didn't do something new that was wrong. He had done something wrong by not circumcising his kid already. There are things that, because God is patient and God knows us so well, there are things, you know, there are things in our life. How many know there, there are sins that you are committing right now that you are not even aware of? Anybody know that? And, 
God is so patient, and he, but he works with us. He, he has a list and he has a timing of when certain, he, now, you know, he has these times where it's like, okay, now is the time we're going to, we need to deal with this now. And yes, there's still this other big long list of things, uh, but this is the one we're going to deal with in this moment to get to the next step that, that we need to get to. Um, and that's what, what conference God confronting us is about because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows in our lives what, what, what are the linchpins. And, and that's important for us to know and, and really embrace when it comes to um, our relationships with each other. Right? We, are, we are called to, to iron sharpen iron and, and hold each other accountable. There is an element to that. Uh, but we also have to be recognized that you are not the Holy Spirit, okay? You don't have, uh, you don't have the, the full list of God's agenda in somebody else's life. And the things that, that you are maybe are your top 10 things that that person needs to change may not be God's, right? Yes, that, you know, that person, may, maybe they, they have a potty mouth, but that may not be the most important thing to God. <laughs> there may be something else he wants to, he wants to deal with them with that, that will take care of that in, in, in the long run. Um, confrontation is an important tool that God uses when he's setting us free and setting, uh, training us to set other people free. And so I just have a second question for you before we leave today. Um, and we're going to, if you guys want to stand, actually, we're going to close in just a minute. And it's similar to the first question. And it's just this. Is there anything that God is confronting you with Maybe it's been an ongoing battle. You say, what's the, how do, what's the difference between an invitation and a confrontation? And, you know, we don't want to get too hung up in semantics. Uh, you know, this framework is something to help us dig into scripture and, and connect with God it's you know these are not scripture themselves so we don't need to get too hung up on uh, on trying to put it in the right category but I would say an invitation is just that it's it, it's God offering a, a, a choice to pursue something beneficial a confrontation is is God showing you um some, something that needs to change or there's going to be a consequence. But is there a, is there a, has God been confronting you on something? Is there something in your life that you recognize that is threatening you in some way? You recognize that this behavior, this thought, this, this emotional pattern, whatever, is, um, is hindering, is, is causing um, your relationship with God to, or your relationship with others to, to be uh, damaged in some way.
sometimes sometimes it's it's not even something so uh, you know it's not even a sin issue you know especially when when we've accepted God's invitation um, I'm not talking about salvation I'm talking about other assignments right this is uh, invitation to deeper freedom or deeper understanding of who he is or or pursuing somebody else for for Christ's sake when we when we accept those invitations the stakes go up and, and God's expectations of us um, rise and so it's not just about sin or not sin sometimes God asks things of us and he has every right to that that it's a right that we lay down it's something that I have a, I have a right to this thing and God says yes you do because you're free in Christ. I still want you to give it to me. Paul says, I, I became all things to all men. And we live in a, we live in a culture that love, we love our rights, <laughs> right? We, we love to, to defend the, our rights. And, and, there's, not, and there's, a, there's a place for that. For sure, but when it comes to when it comes to God, when it comes to submission f- from God, part of pursuing and part of going deeper, part of accepting His invitation is also accepting the fact that He has the right to ask for any part of your life, any part of your life, even your rights. There was a group called the Moravians uh, years, 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 centuries ago, I think, um, and their their strategy for following Jesus was to sell themselves back into slavery so that they could reach the slave population because it was the only way that they could get to this one island where they, where they were. That's giving up our rights. That's an extreme example of giving up our rights. And God has every right to ask it because there's nothing he's going to ask you to do to give up that he didn't give up tenfold. When he came as, when he came, when Jesus came to this earth and restricted himself to these stupid skin suits and dealt with our ignorance and our prejudice and loved us and showed us the right way and we ignored him and we misunderstood him and eventually we killed him. God gave everything for us. And so if there's anything that, that God is, conf- the Lord is confronting you with, I would encourage you to just let it go. So I'm just going to give you, just give you a second just to kind of have a moment with God and then I'll, I'll close some of our prayer and then go. Um, but is there an invitation you need to accept this morning? Is there a, is there a confrontation that, that, that you need to, something you need to relent, repent, whatever. Just have a moment and then
we could have the uh, some of the prayer ministry team, if you guys want to come up. Um, I'm going to close this in a, in a kind of a collective prayer, but uh, if you had something specific that the, the Lord laid on your heart, I would encourage you to just come get some prayer, get some encouragement. Um, if there's something else going on in our life that you just need prayer for this morning, we, we're here, we're, we're here for you. God, we, 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 we've heard from your word this morning. God, we, we recognize, we thank you first for your, 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 your invitations that you extend to us. God, we're humbled by the fact that you, you have any interest in, in letting us help with the coming of your kingdom, that you would trust us with such an honor. God, that you, that you give us even the, the, the ability to, to, to choose you or not is in, 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 incomprehensible. Lord, speak to our hearts. I ask that you would, in your mighty name, you would just squash any distraction or discouragement or anything that would hinder us from, from accepting or, or, or being willing to have an honest conversation to you, with you that would lead us to, to, to the invitation that, that you're extending to us this morning. God, we recognize your, your right and, and your, your ability and your right to, to confront us Lord, we, we, we just, we say we just submit. God, we, we just submit to your, to, to your leadership, to your instructions. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Feel free to, to come and receive some prayer. Um, Billy will play for a few more, a few more minutes and don't forget Discover CA. If, if you're a part of that, you can head down there in just a minute. We'll probably have that at like noon. 